amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Legends of Sport podcast. I'm Andy Bernstein, your host, and really happy to be bringing this amazing guest to you guys this week. My guest today is the great Tim Grover. Tim is uh, best remembered for being Michael Jordan's trainer, Kobe Bryant's trainer, Dwayne Wade's trainer, so many other iconic NBA players, MLB, Olympic athletes across the board. Tim is truly a legend in his field. Tim and I met when, well, let's see, it was about 1989. He started training Michael Jordan after the Bulls were defeated by uh, the Pistons and Michael needed to kind of up his training game a little bit. And, uh, Tim tells this amazing story about how he met Michael, um, young 25-year-old kind of brazen trainer, and uh, everything took off from there. Tim refers to himself as not as a trainer, but as the trainer, (laughs) and his official title is Sports Enhancement Therapist. He's the CEO of, of Attack Athletics based in Chicago. He was featured very prominently in The Last Dance, discussing Michael Jordan's training regimen, going from basketball to baseball, and from baseball back to basketball, and everything that came in between. Also, um, Tim and I met uh, again in life and in work when he became Kobe Bryant's personal trainer. And um, we talked very specifically about the similarities between Michael and Kobe and what made each of them tick and the differences between the two of them. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, Tim is a super busy guy. He's like all over the place. So for him to take the time and to sit with us today um, really means a lot. So enjoy it. And as always, I'll see you on the backside. I want to welcome the great Tim Grover to the Legends of Sport podcast. Thank you for coming, my friend. I know how busy you are because I see you everywhere, all right? Not just in the last dance, but like all over every social media platform and TV and podcast and stuff. You know, Tim, it, it goes without saying that I've known you. Oh, man, how you started with Michael back in what year was 89. that? 89. 89. So we've known yeah. each other since then. And, uh, I hesitate to say that you and I have aged, but gracefully, I hope, because <laughs> you look the same, man, as, as you always have. <laughs> and so do you. Like I said, it looks like you haven't aged a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, um, we're going to cover some stuff here that is uh, 
in both of our wheelhouses, uh, most notably our relationships with uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion um, about what drove Michael and Kobe to be as great as they were. We're going to talk about that. Um, and, you know, I want to, I want to those start out as we always do with every guest and, and find out what made you great. What pushed you? What, what was the pivotal moment or, or um, occurrence in your life, the mentor, whatever, that made Tim Grover as relentless as you became in your life? And I, I just want to preface that by saying the dedication in your book is to your parents. And you, yes. said, you said, quote, um, they taught you what it truly means to be relentless. So with all that being said, how did it all come about? Well, you know what? It was, I, I'm of Indian descent. Mm -hmm. And you know, growing up in the Indian descent, you have two options as a occupation when you grow up. Mm -hmm. A doctor is one, and the other one is also a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's it. Yeah. And I actually got accepted into medical school, and I decided not to go. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. And... I decided to take an avenue where I said I wanted to try, I still wanted to study the sciences, but I wanted to study the sciences more from an education, education standpoint, from a performance standpoint, figure out how to make athletes perform, perform at a higher level. Mm -hmm. So my parents believing in me and trusting me enough to say, no, I'm not going to go to medical school, medical school. This is what I'm going to do. Their belief and trust in me drove me not, not only to prove them right, but also to prove myself right. Mm. And that's, what, that's, what's, that's what's pushed me to, to this day. And, you know, watching them go through what they had to go through coming from a different country and establishing, establishing their, their roots here and mm. watching both my parents work for 30, for 30 plus years you know, every, every single day. And it was so I could have the opportunities that I was fortunate enough to have. So it was not only not to let them down, but also not to let myself down. Mm. Well, that's a really great explanation. Thank you for that. Because uh, all the research we did about you, I couldn't really find anything, my researcher Veronica and I, about your childhood and growing up. And yeah, yeah. Did you grow up in Chicago? Is that what you're I from? did grow up. I did grow up in Chicago. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. yeah, I grew up, I grew up in Chicago. I've, I went to elementary school, high school, mm -hmm. played college basketball in, in Chicago. And then obviously, you know, my roots with Michael are in Chicago. And then that's, and from there, I've, I've been blessed enough to live in different places to work with different clients. Obviously, you know, there, there's mm -hmm. been Los there's been Los Angeles with, uh, with Kobe. There's been, uh, <coughs> Houston with Charles Barkley and Akeem Olajuwon. There's been uh, right. uh, the wa there's been uh, Washington D.C. So so nu numerous locations and also you know uh, the baseball stint, the Birmingham also. Right, right. Yeah, I want to talk about that. So Tim, um, you took an unusual route because um, a lot of trainers, you know, you you had a degree, a bachelor's degree in kinesiology. You had your master's degree in exercise science. A lot of guys would aspire to be part of a, um, a training staff, you know, a, a, a college, you know, division one or um, somebody at your level, you know, an MBA or an NFL team, MLB, whatever. You chose the route of one-on-one. -on -one. 
So yes, how how was that uh, decision made? I mean, what made you want to work one on one with guys? I don't want to say in the shadows, but you know, kind of you know, in a secretive kind of way, not in a negative secret way, but just mm-hmm. your own system and uh, away from the glaring lights and the publicity of of working with an elite athlete. Well, you know what? I've always believed it's the your job. And, you know, you kind, of t- you kind of take this thing when you do your photographer and you have all the pictures. Let the athlete shine. Let the athlete shine. Mm-hmm. All right? The best, the best accolade I can ever get is when a client I've worked with talks about me unsolicited. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not, I didn't, you don't ask for anything. You just like, Hey, they notice that the, they notice that the work you do and they, they, they acknowledge it to you, to the press, to friends, to their family, who, whoever it may be. So my job was, I was like, listen, when you're working with the biggest stars, there's so many people that are trying to leverage their success into their, their own success. And I took the kind of approach that, that my, that Michael did. Michael told me at, when I first started with him that, you know what, I'm not worried about my brand. I'm not worried about all the other stuff. If I play basketball at the highest level, everything else will take care of itself. (laughs) So my philosophy was if my end result with him was the highest level and being noticed by people, everything else would take, everything else would take care of it, take care of itself, take care of itself. Mm -hmm. And, when you deal with a team, there's a lot of different individuals that you have to, you have to deal with on a regular basis. When it's one-on-one, it's you and the client. You know, you understand. And Michael, what he was looking for, he was looking for somebody to do a program that was designed for him, mm-hmm. that was designed around his schedule because his schedule was a lot more busier than, every, than everybody else's. You know, the press would obviously want to talk to him before the games then they want to he's the last one to leave and then same thing after after practice and then obviously with his uh, obligations to his endorsements and having to do all the charitable stuff so he needed somebody to not only take into account the practice and the games in training the individual somebody who can also factor in all those different aspects mm-hmm. and that was it was a full it was a full-time job <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. after reading your book and, and uh, you know, knowing you and knowing Michael and knowing what an NBA player's schedule is, a normal NBA player. I mean, it's just, right. So you've said very publicly that uh, Michael wanted to be the greatest basketball player in the world, and your job was to help him get there and stay there, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so take us down the road, Tim. I mean, you've talked about this before, but I would love it if you talked about it here. How how it all came about with Michael. You're 25 years old, and uh, I know the story, but I, I would love to hear it from you as sure. what you did. Well, you know, it, so what I did was I saw a small – there was a small caption in one of the local newspapers said, Michael Jordan's tired of taking the physical abuse from the Detroit Pistons, and he's looking – He's you know, he's looking to get – he's looking to get stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I said, you know what I did was – I was like, well, I, I'm probably not going to get to Michael directly. So what I did was I wrote, there's uh, 15, 15 players on an active NBA roster. Right. I wrote 14 letters. I wrote a letter to every single player but Michael. 
Because I'm assuming, I said, okay, if he put that in the paper, the organization is either going to have somebody they're going to, uh, he's going to work with, or they, you know, they're going to find somebody internally. Right. So I sent the, I sent the, I sent the letters out, you know, back then, no email. There wasn't that, you know, you put a, put a stamp on the letter. I hand wrote, I hand wrote each one, signed it. Mm-hmm. And I put everybody's, you know, everybody's name who was on the roster back then and mailed the letters out. And then maybe about a week later, a little bit longer, I get a call back from Dr. John Heffron, who's a team physician at that time. All right. And um, Mark File, who was the athletic trainer and saying, we have a client, we have a player that's interested in your services. Okay. I said, all right, nice. They didn't tell me who it was. So basically for the next three months, I met and talked to those individuals on a regular basis. They wanted to know what my philosophies were. You know what, if I, if I actually went to school and actually learned something or I just, or I just <laughs> went, went to, went to my classes. So they, you know, they, uh, di- different medical questions, different athletic training questions, different, how I would handle injuries, how I would do all, all these different things. Mm-hmm. So, and I was prepared for whatever, whatever they had still not knowing who the person was. So then one day, I get a call from uh, from Mark, and Mark says, "Hey, our our player client wants to meet you after practice at his house." Okay, no problem. You say, "Can you be there?" You know, I can't figure. I was one thirty, two thirty, or whatever, whatever it was. You know, I like to say one twenty three, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they give me the address, and this was. You know when Michael first started, so it was a, it was a modest house. You know, you just you could just walk, go up, and ring the doorbell. So they didn't tell me who it was. So I go to the I, I go to the I look at the address. Well, I'm a, I live in the city. This is in the suburbs when they used to practice out there. I, I ring the doorbell. I'm standing there, and Michael Jordan opens the door. <laughs> that must have been a little bit of a surprise. It was a surprise, but yeah. you know, the one thing, and this goes back to what, you know, part of what my parents taught, taught me, they told me never be a starstruck person mm-hmm. because if you're a star, if you become starstruck, then what you're doing is you're undervaluing yourself to that, to that individual, treat mm-hmm. that individual the same, the same way as you would like, as you would like to be treated. Mm. And, and treat them, treat them equally. So, you know, when I look, I acknowledge him as, as, as Mr. Jordan, because he's, he's slightly older than I, he was slightly older than I, I, I am. And, you know, the, the, the caveat of the story is I was wearing Converse during that time. <laughs> uh, and, I, and everybody knows everybody know, and probably yourself, if you were ever seen in a pair of shoes other than, other than Nike's or Ed Jordan, he lets you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, not just yeah. it, but, but some other guys too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, do I take off the shoes, and or do I go in the house with the shoes? I'm like, all right. I said, you know what? I'm gonna take off the shoes. I took off the shoes, and I got this big hole in my sock. <laughs> Well, you are human, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you but, know. So did, did he laugh? Did he? Did, he must have laughed at that. Yeah, he 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 laughed, and then you know we we went inside. We yeah. went we went we went downstairs. We went downstairs to his basement, and I introduced myself. I told him what my background was, and 
I said, this is, I said, what are you looking to do? And he told, he told me what he was looking to do. And this was the interesting part. What he wanted to do, I told him, that's not the right approach at this particular time. Mm-hmm. You know, because most of the times you see an athlete of that caliber or somebody who has that, that much mystique and power about them, everybody wants to agree with them. Mm-hmm. And here I am, 25 years old, saying, no, that's, that's, not the correct, that's not the correct way to do this. Well, he said, well, what's the, what's the correct way? And I said, well, let's address these, these aspects first. Mm-hmm. Then we can address the aspects that you, that you wanted to do it. And I told him, this is, what we, this is what would happen. This is how we would go about it. And he was like, you know, he goes, he goes that makes sense. He goes, he goes, that, he goes that, that makes sense. And I told him, I said, you know, what the advantages were going to be of this, uh, of working out and what also the disadvantages were going to be. You know, you know there, there was going to be an issue with timing. There was going to be an issue with his shot, with his movement, with the way his body was going to feel. But I said, all those things will pass. But I just want to let you know that the, there's going to be adjustments that are going to have to be made. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, you know what? You know that, and you know, Phil said this, Doug, uh, all, the t- all the top coaches in all the sports always say that, that your superstars, your best players are the ones that want to be held accountable that want to be coached, that want to be pushed. You don't, need, you don't need to motivate those guys. You don't have to tell them to show up early. You don't have to tell them to, to stay late. Those things are already a, par, a part of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I read something or I saw something that you, uh, you talked about that uh, Michael was, was an elite athlete, obviously, um, but he was like a – a Ferrari engine with cheap brakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I found that really interesting because you, you talked about how taking off and flying was not a problem. It was right. the stopping and that most of the injuries that you found with guys that were that athletic, they had trouble with the stopping because that's yes. where the injuries happen, right? Yes. So yes. How, how receptive was he to, to hearing that? Because, you know, you're telling a guy, yeah, you can fly, but you got to remember the, the landing, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know what? He was very, he was very receptive because, you know, it, it was like nobody had explained it to him that way. And a lot of times when you speak to athlete, when you speak to athletes, people try to, they outsmart them, themselves. Yeah. All right. You know, you have to explain it and give them examples in ways they would understand. And then the other thing I would do is when I would explain stuff, I would explain stuff to them. The next time I saw him, I would bring documentation in form of a book, in form of an abstract, in form of something, you know, an article, a journal or something and say, here, you know, just whether he, he wanted to look at it or not, I would highlight it and says, here, this is, this is what I'm not, I'm not making this up here. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Yeah. And going that, going that, you know, Michael always went beyond. So, and I've been that, I was one of that person that was taught always to over deliver. So everything I said to him, I was able to back it up. So he knew I wasn't lying to him. And that was a way I built that ultimate trust with him. Mm. That's, that's so interesting, Tim. Um, 
you know, you, you've talked about uh, being the quote unquote original Fitbit, <laughs> which I thought was <laughs> awesome because back in the day, right? I mean, we didn't have like Fitbits and analytics and all that. And, no. and, you, and you being, you know, private trainer, you weren't privy to the practices. You wouldn't get game tape from the team. Mm-hmm. So, so talk about that, about how you had to, your process of having to kind of record stuff and then, you know, report back to the client. How did that? Yeah. Work? So, you know, obviously I, I was privy enough to go to the, uh, to go to the games. Michael would always leave me a pair of tickets to the game. Yeah. Um, so I would always go to the games, but you know, when you're watching, when you're at, at the games, I can't, I can't have my little notepad and write down stuff because then I'm going to miss w- what's going on. And I, you know, and there's different things, uh, as a trainer, I wanted to I wanted to study because I knew not only was there the physical component to it, there was also the mental component to it. So I watched the games a little bit differently than the than the average than the average fan would. And I'm looking I'm looking for different uh, different movement patterns and different uh, body language and so forth. So what I would do is I would be at the game. I would pay attention to those things, but while I was at home. You know, for the younger viewers, they would not know what this is, but I had a Betamax and a VCR. I remember. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would, you know, you set it on the slowest speed so you can record, you know, so the tape would go for, you know, four to six hours. Yeah. <laughs> and I would literally after, after the game and after, you know, whatever Michael wanted, if there was any treatment or any, sometimes there was even workouts after games, I would come home. And I would sit and watch the game over again because, like you said, I could not get game film. I could not, you know, nowadays it's like you can, they can do everything so, so quickly. Yeah. So I would literally have to watch in order to prepare for the next workout. I'd have to be able to count, you know, how, how many jumps he took, how many stops he took. How, did he jump off of his right leg? Did he jump off of his, uh, off of his left legs? You know, uh, did he cut more to the left? Did he cut more to the right when he was sliding from a defensive standpoint? Was the player he was guarding? Did how many how many step slides did he go one direction? How many step slides did he go to the other direction? How often did he use his left hand? How many shots were underhand? All this other stuff. And I have stacks of paper to this current day of all of all those games, and that allowed me the next day to develop the to develop the workout and the program and the progression throughout the whole year because the more data I had, the more, the more input I could give him as the season progressed. What's up, everyone? I'm Kobe Bryant. And if you want to learn anything about what the Mamba mentality is, I suggest you listen to Legends of Sport. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. 
Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Is it fair to say that, that not only were you the original Fitbit, but you were like the original analytics guy? I mean, I don't remember teams doing that much in-depth analysis of how their players played and I mean definitely not to the extent that you did and of course you know a team is dealing with a whole roster you're dealing with one guy but this was your approach and you know I could just imagine him sort of you know dissecting what you give him you know and learning and that's how his game got better and that's how he avoided injury after he met you right yeah. So that, I mean, that, that, you know, one of the, one of the, I always say this and you've heard me say this before, whether I would have worked with Michael or not, he would have been the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. I helped him stay there a little bit longer. Yeah. That yeah. was, that was, that was, but that was my, that was, that was my job. Yeah. And the one, the, the, the reason I did all those things was so he could perform at the highest level. You can never, keep making an athlete injury free, but there's a lot of stuff you can do to minimize the chances of an athlete getting injured. Mm. All right. And that's what all that data for me back then allowed, allowed me to, allowed me to do, you know, because everybody looks at, you know, they, when they normally, when people go to the gym, all right, whatever you do equally with one side, you do equally with the other side. You know, that, that's how, that's how, that's how you're taught to, you know, to create the body balance. Well, if an athlete is using one side more than the other during a, during their movement patterns or games, if you can, if you do the equal amount of reps from a training standpoint on both sides, you're not, you're not creating that balance. You're actually going farther away from that, away from that balance. Mm. And that, that, you know, that, you know, just like if you use, you know, Michael always used to use cars as analogy. And that's where I came up with the brakes. Imagine ha- riding your, uh, driving your car on tires that, you know, where the alignment isn't right. So one side is going to, you know, it may, it, it may, they may look aligned, but when you dr- drive and you look at the treads on the tire, they wear they wear out uh, uh, you know unequally yeah and that's the same that's the same way I treat I treated his body yeah amazing and not only uh, with MJ but of course you know the Breakfast Club you talked a lot about that you know you had yes. Scotty you had Ron Harper these guys never missed a workout because the fallout was not from you <laughs> from, from having to hear from MJ you know getting ribbed constantly about it but it, it, you know it really is amazing to me that these guys worked out every single day game days practice every, days, off season my goodness every single day I said you know Andy one of the most amazing stats that people don't talk about mm-hmm. is during the second three-peat Michael never missed a game. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. never missed a game. He never missed a game. He never missed a practice. He never missed a workout. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. talked about even his last season, he was 40 years old playing for Washington, played in 82 yes. games. Yeah. Right? You, know, you know, I mean, a little bit reminiscent of another guy that we'll talk about, Kobe Bryant, you know, who mm-hmm. has a horrendous Achilles injury and then, 
three years later, goes out and scores 60 in his last game, Mamba out. So there's, right. there's a thread there. But I yes. just want to finish up with MJ. You know, you talked about um, the three major transformations, right, that you wanted to achieve with him was uh, first the, the new and stronger body to beat the Pistons, right? That yes. was his first goal. The second was uh, retraining him so he could go from basketball to baseball. Right. The whole yes. difference in, in how you had to train him and then retraining him again when he went back to basketball from baseball. Right. Yes. And you were very eloquent in in the last dance when you talked about how he just wasn't his body wasn't ready to come back mm-hmm. in 95. Right. Yeah. And and what was that summer like after they, the Bulls lost to Orlando? Michael just wasn't in, in basketball shape by your I guess by both of your, you know, um, estimations and so how did you treat him and train him during the summer to get ready for that next season well when he came back you know Michael was probably about 80 85 percent which is still better than mm-hmm. 99 point percent uh, of the of the league but you know if if you had been around him long enough you were able to see that the elevation quite wasn't there the explosiveness wasn't uh, wasn't there even though you know he, he had some fantastic games mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know but you could just if you watched them closer if you watched them close enough you could just see that it, it just wasn't it wasn't air jordan mm-hmm. all right and now, so now, did other people see that or you being as you know minutely focused and and did he see it i mean did or did you have to he, point that you know what it was funny he never he, he never acknowledged it to me until verbally until he mentioned it in the last dance. No kidding. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you know, he, 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 he knew mentally. So, you know, when we went, when that seat, when that season ended, you know, there was, everyone had left. There was only three of us still, still in the arena. It was Michael, George Kohler, which you know very well. Sure. Yeah. And myself. So everybody and or everybody else had already cleared out. And right. then Michael, you know, I'm getting ready to go. I said, hey, listen, I got it because I still got to go home. I still want to watch the film to see what's going on because I got I to gotta prepare. I gotta prepare. Yeah. So I'm leaving. I said, hey, Michael, just, you know, let me know. Let me know when, uh, when you want to see me. And he goes, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> he wasn't messing around, right? <laughs> he, he, he was not messing around. And the yeah. other blessing that we had that, that year uh, that off season was he was shooting that movie Space Jam. Oh, that's right. Yes, that summer. Yeah. yeah so yes. you, were, you were out there. I saw you. In, yes. In the gym or whatever they they called yeah. the thing that they made for him. Right. And, and uh, I went down there a couple of times to shoot, and I saw the the setup that you had, mm-hmm. and how during like breaks and lunch break. I mean, he wouldn't be taking a lunch break. He'd be working out with you. Yes. Incredible. So- yeah. So that allowed him that that actually gave us a whole summer where he was in one location. Mm-hmm. You know, usually he had you know he was in different locations for you know for uh, for different commitments and uh, right. things and vacation or so forth. So he was in one he was in one location for an extended extended period of time, mm-hmm. and you know he was he was so he was so full. Fo- I mean, he was always has been focused. He was even more focused. I try to tell people after that loss for like maybe for like almost a month to like six weeks, we literally did not speak to each other while we worked out. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was talking about relentless. I mean, that (laughs) there was no music. 
there was no TV. There was no, there was no nothing. You know, it was just, he was just like, I don't know what was going on in that head, what he was processing during, during that time. Mm. But it would just like, you know, it, it would like, he would just, uh, you know, we, we had enough of our, our relationship. To, I understood him. He understood me. You know, I could point to certain things. I would do the move exercise and he knew, and he knew, he knew what I, what I wanted him, what I wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, the only communication was after the workout to find out, you know, whether I was going to see him later on that afternoon or come back in the evening or, or, or tomorrow. And a lot of that times that wasn't even verbal. He would just hold, he would just hold up his hands. Yeah. And, you know, if, if anybody that's been around him, you know, you, when he, Michael holds up his hands, you could see what he, you could see what he's holding up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, so Tim, uh, let's, let's talk about Kobe here. And um, you know, look, so much has been said by a lot of people about their relationship. I don't want to go into that with, with you. Um, we each had our relationship with both guys and let it, let it just sit there. But what I want to find out from you was, um, well, the one thing that, that you did say about Kobe in, in terms of Michael was that he looked at MJ as, as an encyclopedia, really, as a reference yes. book, right? Which I thought was really appropriate and, and right on, right? And the mm-hmm. whole personal stuff, whether, you know, whatever level that was at, you know, let the other people talk about that, right? Sure. Um, but um, you also said something really interesting. You said that Kobe was more interested in the why behind why you were doing certain exercises, why you were training certain muscles. And MJ just cared about the result. He didn't really ask you about the why, right? Exactly. (laughs) Which kind of is very telling about both guys because curiosity is one of the pillars of the Mamba mentality, you know, that that he and I worked on with the book and he had to be, he was very specific with me as the kind of photos he wanted to show, right? Mm -hmm. So with, with Kobe, what what made you want to train him? I mean, obviously he's you know is at the top of his game and all that. But what attracted you to him specifically? Well, it was funny, you know. Kobe and I had a relationship for a long time, you know, through Michael. Just off and on, I would you know where the Lakers would come into into the United Center or the stadium or wherever you want, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. I would see you no know, Kobe. I would just acknowledge him, and you know that that was. That was it. I'm not an individual that goes put pushes pushes myself. I I knew Kobe had an individual that he worked late, uh, you know, later on in his career. Not too much later, he had an individual that he had worked with extensively through high school, and that that was his guy. So if you have your guy, you know, stay stay with your guy. In 2007, Kobe reached out to Michael and said, "Hey, I'm ha- my knees are really bothering are really bothering me." You know, people forget that Kobe came into the league when he was 17. He got drafted so so young. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, there's a chronological age, and then there's a, there, there's a bat there's a basketball age. Mm-hmm. And as hard as that, as hard as Kobe played, his basketball age was a lot higher than his chronological age. So then, Michael said, "Hey, listen, why don't you give my guy a call?" He goes, "I'm no longer." You know, obviously by then he goes, "I'm not. I'm no longer using him." Yeah, yeah, give him, give him a call. And so Kobe reached, Kobe reached out to me and I, I flew out to LA. I met him. I looked at his program. I saw what was going on and I said, okay, the, what, you know, what are you doing? What have you been doing? Here's the thing. I mm-hmm. said, all right, I said, give me a couple of hours. Let me evaluate this thing. And I, and I wrote up a whole bunch of different things for him. I said, Hey, 
this is where I think the, the issues are uh, with your knee. This is what's the, these are the things that need to be addressed. This is what's need needs to uh, needs to go on. So knowing Kobe wanted, it wasn't an individual that you could just talk to. You had to put stuff down and you had to show them and all this other stuff. So I handed them back a pretty thick portfolio and said, Hey, you know, here's the thing. I said, you can use me to, uh, to help you with this. You can use somebody else, whatever you want to do. But I said, this would be extremely beneficial. So he kind of, he kind of thumbed through it and he goes, mm-hmm. you put, he goes, you put all this together uh, last night. I said, yeah, I put this together last night. And, and <laughs> I, I said, I, he seemed surprised. I'm like, you know, that's what you brought me out here for. I'm not, yeah, as beautiful as Orange County in LA is, I don't want to be, I'm not here for vacation. I'm here. To, I, I was, I've been brought here to do a job. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I gave him that stuff and he goes, he goes, you're hired. Yeah. I yeah. said, all right, then now, but with Kobe, you know, he knew what I did for Michael, but he was like, that's great. You did it for him, but what are you going to do for me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He didn't yeah. want, he didn't want a carbon copy of that. That wasn't for him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we're, we're starting all, we're starting all over again here. And I treated him as Kobe Bryant. I didn't treat him as Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to what you tell that story because, you know, I can just imagine him, his brain working when you presented that portfolio to him that you did overnight. Mm-hmm. And here he's thinking, here's a guy as obsessed with what he does as what I do. Right. And you, and you mm-hmm. know, that, Obsession, of course, is another of the four pillars of the Mamba, Mamba yes. mentality. And, and his famous quote, if you're not as obsessed with what you do as I am, we don't speak the same language. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. you know what? If you just kind of sloughed it off or like, oh, yeah, I think I can do this for you. First of all, that would have been the end of that conversation. And you, you wouldn't have been the right guy for him. So he knew going in that you had a the resume, of course, but but you had to have that mindset, right? You had, yeah. you had to be on the same page with him, right? Well, that's why, you know what's great about those individuals is just as crazy and obsessed as they are, mm-hmm. I was. So I wasn't trying to be something I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, so that's why, we, you know, everyone says find somebody, you know, the, the opposite of you to help you balance out. I say no, find somebody just as obsessive, just as crazy as you are. Yeah. No. <laughs> I hear you, man. We, we were working on the book and I'd show him some pictures, you know, and he, he, some of them would be from these remotes that I set up like hours and hours before the game. And he, he, and again, he would ask me why, why would you do that? How would you do that? Why mm-hmm. would you think about doing that? You know, he'd like yeah. needle me about it. And then he'd just look at me and he said, man, you're as crazy as I am. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, crazy, obsessed. Yes. He goes, yeah, that's why we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. So I want to talk about um, the mental aspect because you, you talk about in your book that the, the body and the brain have to go together, right? No and, and also um, that uh, – what else was going to, oh, very importantly, you talk about the dark side, having to, mm-hmm. I guess, embrace the dark side. Correct. And I don't want to get too deep into this, right? Sure. Because, and we had Kevin Love on who talked very um, specifically and eloquently about, you know, mental health aspects of being a professional athlete and all that. And I'm so happy that he came to the forefront and it's getting out there to yes. the world and helping a lot of people. Um, but what, what do you mean by the dark side? What, how do you define it and how does it work so, for you? 
that to me, everyone, everybody has something that's unique to them. Okay, something that lights their own internal fire, all right, that keeps them going when nothing else will. It's like an individual that, you know, if there's, if there's no food, if there's no food on the table, all right, what gets you up every single morning to keep you going? What's inside that keeps you going when you're not feel, when you're not feeling well, when everybody else says it can't, it can't be, it can't be done. What's unique to you? What, what experiences have you had and what have you overcome in your, in your lifetime to make you that individual that is relentless, that is, that is obsessed with it, that is obsessed with the end result. You know, you look at, you can look at individuals, you know, you two ways. You have individuals that go through a crisis and can use that crisis as an excuse their whole life. Or you have other individuals that use that crisis and now say, watch me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that's what, and that, that's what, you know, it, this isn't about, it isn't about anything evil. It isn't about anything, anything, you know, dark or bad or anything. It's what's unique to you that keeps you going when nothing else will. It's it, it, what it's what gets you that win over and over again. That's unique to you. Mm-hmm. It's what allows you to know the perfect light to take that, to take that picture, that perfect angle, and to be able to look at something where everybody else sees perfection and you notice the one thing, I don't like it. Yeah. Something that there's something that 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 it that is that isn't right about it. Yeah, interesting. So in your philosophy with the big the, the, the big three C's, right? You got your cooler, your closer, and your cleaner, which yes. you, just give me a brief definition of those, but is there room for fear in any of this? I mean, because you know, it, human beings have fears. So it's you know what. So you know you had you what we talk about. A cooler is an individual that gives you the uh, that gives you whatever you uh, whatever you ask for them. Okay, so like you know you have a lot of us. You know, in your in your line of work, you've had a lot of assistants, a lot of people, a lot of interns, whatever you had to do. You have some some people. You tell them, I want you to do. Uh, okay. You know, I want you to make 10 stands or whatever. You know, I obviously I know nothing about photography. All right. They're going to make, they're going to do exactly what you tell them. They're not going to do anything more. They're yeah. not going to do anything less. They're just going to do exactly what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Then you have a closer. Closer is going to get you that end result as long as most variables, too many variables don't come into it. So, you know, again, I'll use your business as an example. You know, they'll be like, I couldn't take that picture because the crowd was too loud or I couldn't get to this place or the lighting was bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll add to that, that, you know, in my business, a, a closer could be somebody who gets an assignment and they do the assignment and they do it well, but they don't take it to that next level or they don't, exactly. they don't give right. the client something else that they could, you know, they give them what they want. And yes. do well, right? Right. But they don't give them like that little something. Oh, man, this is interesting. Wow, you did that? That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a cleaner is. Yeah. A cleaner gets you that end result no matter what obstacles are mm-hmm. put in front, what mm-hmm. obstacles 
are put in front of them. Yeah. And, and, and they do it over and over again, over and over again. You know, there's no way, you know, one thing we've been for, we've been blessed uh, to do is work with Michael Mm -hmm. in Chicago Mm -hmm. and work with Kobe in LA. Yeah, it's incredible. Eleven rings, by the way, between yeah. between the two of them, like our yeah. friend Bill Jackson. Eleven rings. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So you know that that's that's a that. But you treated each one mm-hmm. as 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 an individual. You saw the similarities, but you will also see the differences. Most people's look for similarities in mm-hmm. individuals. They don't look for the uniqueness and difference because that's more that's more harder to find and understand. You know, you know, you say, you know, what people say, yeah, you know, they think just like me. All right. Yeah. So those people are easy to identify. All right. Well, the person that thinks like you and then sometimes doesn't think like you, that's that gets to be a little confusing. And now going back to your question about fear. Yeah. I try to tell people fear is a part of your dark side. If you're not fearful of something you haven't set your goals or you haven't set your dreams or you haven't set your expectations high enough you're supposed to be you're supposed to be fearful mm-hmm. okay you you're, you're supposed to if you're if you if you don't have the fear that means you're not pushing yourself far enough and what happens is people can take themselves so far and then when that fear sets in they start to backtrack. When that fear sets in, you have to continue to see where your next level is, where your next production is going to be. Mm-hmm. So people look at fear as a ne- as a negative thing, you know. And fear hesitates most individuals. Mm-hmm. The greats fear just uh, for them. Fear is a pause. They look at it. They pause for a second. They understand what's causing that fear, and they figure out how to go beyond it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing because I have a quote from Pat Riley from, I think, 1985 <laughs> that I, it's all yellow now. It was in the newspaper and I cut it out and it's taped to my one from one computer to the next. And it says fear it was my greatest motivator yeah. <laughs> at the beginning because, you know, he came into coaching. He wasn't a coach. He was a broadcaster. Right. But um he found that fear like fueled him and that yes. made him a better coach. And it made the guys see that, Hey, you know what? He's a human being with fears, but you want to push through it together. And, and you know, that and, makes a great leader too. Right. And yes. And you just brought it, you know, when we talked about earlier about fear is one of those things in the, when we talk about the dark side, if you use it correctly, if you understand it, right. you embrace it. And you make it a part of you instead of instead of spending so much time fighting it and ignoring it, mm. you know, understand it, understand what it is, and then it allows you to do those exception. It allows you to do those exceptional things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, well, it's like you delivering that picture that goes beyond mm-hmm. what the client expects. Right. Most people would be like they're happy with this. I don't want to show them that. I don't want to show them, but you know, Hey, yeah, this is what you asked me to do. Here it is. But let me show you something else. Most people will hesitate on that, on that because they'll let, I already got, I already got the client. I, uh, maybe they won't like this thing. And you're like, here, take a look at, take a look at this. Yeah. That's something I yeah. preach all the time to young photographers when I teach and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you're going to, you know, the, the hardest part is getting the assignment and then, you know, producing what the client wants. But 
if you give them something above and beyond, they're going to remember you even more. Yes. <laughs> and they're going to come to you the next time, right? Exactly. So, um, hey, Tim, does, does a cleaner have to be a leader or can they just lead by example? I mean, they have to be the guy, the, the top dog, you know, in the room or can they just kind of be sort of silently doing their thing? No, they can say uh, that. You know what? I would say uh, cleaners a lot of times are not the loudest people in the room, not the loudest people in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, they can sil- they can be silently, they can silently doing their thing. The uh, cleaner is mm-hmm. defined by being able to do that, get that end result over and over again, no matter what, what it is. If your job on your team, on a basketball team, is to be the hardest practice player out there where you're you know listen you may not have the talent or ability to play in a game or play under you know a close game but your job is to make everybody else better in practice Mm -hmm. you know play the best defense do all the dirty work do all that stuff where it translates to having that team get that end result you have that you have a cleaner mentality you have the cleaner mentality it's a school teacher that says under no circumstances is any student going to be left behind. I'm going to make sure everybody understands this course, not just passes this course, but they, 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 they understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't go out and go after the class and be yelling like, yes, they all finally got it. They do their, they do their jobs. They do their job silently with everything that's going on, uh, everything that's going on right now in the world. You have so many you have so many people who have that cleaner mentality that are making, that's our making difference out there. Yeah. And positive change. Yeah, for sure. Yes. For sure. Tim, um, can't thank you enough, man. This has been a great conversation. I, I really, really appreciate it. I mean, we could go My on pleasure, for Andy. a long time. What What's happening for you? I mean, you, you're still, you know, CEO of Attack Athletics, right? And yes, during the pandemic, I'm sure that has to change because my gym closed. So how, how are you? operating these days you know we're doing a lot of stuff on we're doing a lot of stuff on, on, online you know we're doing uh we have a lot of uh you know we do a lot of consulting with teams so a yeah. lot of the stuff is done online keeping them accountable a lot of the stuff now you know being able been around you know michael's mentality been around kobe's uh kobe's mentality for so long that the next generation wants to know you know what that is. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough, you know, to spend years with those individuals yeah. and kind of really delve deep into it. So a lot of people want to understand the, 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 uh, the mindset of those individuals, not as it only pertains to basketball, but as it pertains to success. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. That's great. Cause I, I see you out there doing all kinds of leadership and, and success uh, seminars and, zooms and all kind of things that's, that's yes. awesome you know it's so interesting and last thing i want to say is that um you know michael has become this like mythical figure because this generation the, the new generation and even most of the players that are playing now never saw him play live right right he's kind of like the uh, michael wilbon calls him the, the babe ruth of, of, <laughs> of modern basketball you know kobe a little closer you know people yes. saw him play and um you know at least there's it's a, it's a fresher memory of course um but the legacy that both of them left is uh is almost indescribable you know and, yes and you know thank god we still have michael and his legacy unfortunately we don't have kobe um, in life, but we have him that he left so much with all of us. So can you tell me the one thing he left with you? Can you leave us with that? The one thing that Kobe left with you? 
you know what? He let he left so he left so much he left so much with me. It, mm. it, it's hard to describe it as as one. It would it would be interesting. I would kind of use what you know you your things is uh, legends of sport. Mm. All right, the one thing Michael Kobe never strived to be was legends because they knew they were at another level. They strive to be icons, <laughs> yeah. okay? Not only in their sporting careers, but other things they did afterwards. You know, one of the, the mm. best quotes Kobe ever made was like, if I'm only known for being a great basketball player, I didn't, do, I didn't fulfill my, my job as an individual on this earth. Well, I can't think of any better way to leave this conversation than with that, because um, that he, I remember that. And he, uh, he certainly left so much with all of us. And thank yes, God we did. had him in our lives, right? Yes. He'll live forever in our lives, in our memory. And uh, I'm so glad that you and I met back back when in 89 <laughs> amazing and I, I always see you coming and going and stuff I remember the dream team you were coming and going and yes I was, like, it was always like you know Tim is like slipping in slipping out you know? yeah <laughs> so, so great that we connected and thank you again for making my pleasure time. my friend you are a good man Tim and keep keep the uh keep it going man I mean thank you, you. your preaching and is is really really valuable stuff for all thank of you and you know, listen, if you ever need anything, you know how to get a hold of me, my friend. Thank you. my friend. I might be too old for you to train me, but I could <laughs> maybe use a little advice once in a while. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thanks, Tim. You're a good man. Thank you. Take care. Stay well. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, big thanks to Tim Grover for taking the time today to speak to us on Legends of Sport. Also, a huge shout out to his agent, Sherry, for getting us in because I know how busy Tim is. And thank you, Sherry, for making the time for Tim today to speak to us. Um, what an inspiring conversation. Um, I knew Tim. I didn't know him that well before we spoke today. And we started to do a lot of research. My researcher and producer, Veronica Ahn, found some really great stuff. So thank you, Veronica, for that. Um, but uh, the sort of intersection of our careers with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Tim being the trainer for both of those guys and the similarities and differences between them and loved how he spoke about all that and also his system and how he approaches life in general um, through the lens of, of how he teaches athletes and trains them. Really, really great. So thank you, Tim. I encourage everybody to go out and get Tim's book called Relentless going from good to great to unstoppable. Truly a great book. Could change your life, actually. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that, and I really encourage everyone to go out and get it. I also encourage everybody, as I always do, to continue to follow us on Instagram, at Legends of Sport, on Twitter, at Legends underscore of Sport, and our blog, legendsofsport.blog, and my photography, as always, at ADB Photo Inc., we have a lot more guests coming up, folks. Keep downloading, keep following us, keep telling your friends, and we will be back with you next week with another fantastic guest. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for downloading, and thanks for following. Take care, everybody. See you next time.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.